welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Father, we thank you that kids can understand you. And yet scientists are confound by you. We thank you that you are profound yet simple. We thank you that you transcend this world, yet you are close enough to be felt. We thank you, God. And we thank you that during this Christmas season that we can come and celebrate the most important person in the history of the world. And God, I pray that today we would be able to just adore you as we sang, that we would be able to be enchanted by you, and that you would capture our imagination again, and that nothing else would matter, and that you would just slowly drown out those things that are in the periphery of our minds, God, and take center stage of our hearts, God, and be the number one affection that we would have today. Father, we thank you that we can adore you. We thank you that you are available to us. And God, I pray that today, as we look to the end of 2016, a year filled with chaos, God, would you do like you did in the beginning of creation, when the world was formless and void, the Spirit of God began to hover over the waters. You make it part of your plan to enter chaos. Enter our chaos today. Speak to us today. Holy Spirit, use me. Carry my words to the heart of the broken. Carry my words to the heart of the proud. Speak to both. And we ask that you do it in such a way that we know that you have spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we praise God for the great opportunity to come and worship the Lord on this Sunday. As some of you know, next Sunday we will not be having a service on Christmas Day. We pray that you go and you celebrate Christmas with your family and or you go to a, a different church, but we do pray that you do get some time to worship the Lord on next Sunday. So that means this is the last Sunday of the year that we're gathering. And what a crazy year it has been. A year where we have seen things that we would see as normal become uh, or abnormal become normal. Um, and so I think that one of the things that we could lose is how is God involved in all this? Is God in the midst of all this? Last week, we looked at the name of Jesus, and we looked at breaking down his name, Jesus, tells us that the, the name Jesus actually has meaning. The name Jesus actually means the Lord saves, and Jesus fulfills his name that he actually saves us and rescues us from our sin. And yet today, we're gonna to look at a different name he has. In Matthew chapter one, verse 23, as we read last week, uh, it, dis it told of all the things that Jesus um, had done in order to be born. But then in verse 23, it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel is prophesied in the book of Luke, or rather in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And it talks about 
Emmanuel there, and then he is speaking and referencing Emmanuel here. Well, if his name is Jesus, why are they calling him Emmanuel? In many ways, his name is a nickname. So he has a name, but then he has a name that is indicative of how he would be. And you know, some of you this Christmas, when you go home, you're going to get called your nickname. And your nickname is a name they gave you because of something you do or something you did. But your nickname is descriptive of you. And so Jesus is his name, but Emmanuel is descriptive of how he would be. And Emmanuel is so powerful, the name Emmanuel is so powerful that there are also, there are three words that describe this one name. God with us. That this God would be with us. And the name of Jesus would be telling of what he would do. But Emmanuel would describe the how. Emmanuel would describe his posture. It would be God with us. And so he is also Emmanuel. In many ways that will frame today. We will talk about how he is God and how he is with and how he is with us. Is Jesus God? Is he just a person that we've heard of, that you've grown up in church hearing about, or that you had friends tell you about? Or is Jesus actually God? Well, Jesus claimed that he was God. In the book of John, chapter 14, it says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said unto him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? So Philip says to him, we need to see the Father. And Jesus says, wait a minute, I've been with you all this time. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so Jesus is claiming to his disciples the very essence of God the Father is within him, that he is God. But not only did Jesus claim this, but it was also something that the disciples would write about. If you were to look in the book of Colossians, it's written about him in Colossians 1 and 15, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then the author of Hebrews writes as well, Hebrews chapter one. He says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he, hold, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Look there, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So Jesus says, I am God. And then his disciples are going around saying, he is God. And they're dying for this, this claim that this person, Jesus, was God. Man, we can go on and on with different verses. But there's just some anecdotal, anecdotal things, things that you just see in the scriptures. Jesus went around forgiving sins. Now, you have to understand the, the, the powerful element that is, uh, you know, Pastor Rasul and Pastor Josh are about the same size. Imagine they got into a fight. And they get into a fight, and I, and I walk over, and Rasul hits Josh. And, and Josh is like, what are you doing? And I go over in the middle of them fighting, and I go, 
Russell, I forgive you. And Josh would be like, he needs to be, I need to be the one forgiving people. I'm just the one that just got punched and hit. Wouldn't it be wild if the person that was not in the midst of it starts saying you're forgiven? Jesus was walking up to people saying you're forgiven for sins. Might it be that whenever someone sins, they're also offending Jesus? That he is also included in the offense. Jesus forgives sins because he believes he is being sinned against as well. They believe he's God. But it is not only that Jesus forgives sins, Jesus was worshiped. Now, in the book of Daniel, or in the book of Daniel, in the book of Revelation, you have these moments when uh, an angel would come, and they would see the angel, and they would begin to worship the angel, and every time the angel would go, no, 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 don't worship me. I'm a created being. Don't worship me. But Jesus starts to get worshiped, and he receives it. He accepts it. In, in, in the book of John 20, 28 and 29, Thomas is wrestling with his, his understanding of who Jesus is, and he says, my Lord and my God. He comes to a conclusion that Jesus is God. And Jesus says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The, the three words he said, believed. You believe me. You believe that I am the Son of God. And he worships him and accepts it. Jesus said he was the son of God. He proclaimed it, and others worshiped him. Well, you know, probably the craziest thing about seeing Jesus being worshiped is that these people actually lived with him. They saw him every day. Now, some people actually worship like Elvis. You know, they'll go to Graceland and they'll put flowers down and stuff, and they're just blown away by how Elvis was. Some people worship Beyonce. And I'm just saying that not to convict you. If no, if you're in the beehive, praise God, there's nothing wrong. But here, it's, it's, how much, however much you adore someone, it changes when you live with them. Because you've had heroes you got close to and they became your villain. It's different when you get close to people. Jesus lived with these people and they worshiped him. Jesus' brother worshiped him. There is a, so you have to understand that they aren't just admiring him. They're creating songs to him. They're laying down their life for him. A Jew, a first century Jew, wouldn't have this as a norm. First century Jew wouldn't understand this as a reality. If you have Eastern religions, where they're called like pantheists, they would see difference, you know, people having God within them. They would say God is everywhere. Or you'd have like religions the Romans would have, and they would say that there are all types of God, a polytheist. They would say that there are gods like Zeus and Hermes and, you know, Aphrodite, all these different gods. But a Jew believed in one God. They believed in a transcendent God. They believed in this powerful God. And only he was to be worshipped. Only he could be adored. 
And they were worshiping Jesus. You say, well, you know, the Jews believed in a Messiah. Yeah, but there are Jews who believe in a Messiah that came to Brooklyn, but they don't worship him. They worshiped Jesus. They fell at his feet. When he was born, angels came down and began to worship. You see, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God is not just to have a personal encounter, but it is to acknowledge that the history of Christianity is not people just admiring him. It is people adoring him, giving their life to him, sacrificing everything for him, and believing that truly he was God. So I do a lot of, um, I don't think I'm a, a big evangelist, but I think I get into a lot of conversations when people find out I'm a pastor. And probably the thing that they feel, you know, they're, they're, they find most problematic with Jesus being God is they, they say to themselves, well, you know, I think Jesus was a good person. He was a great moral person. He was a great teacher. But, you know, Jesus being God, I mean, that's just hard for me to believe. And I just think that there's other routes there. And, and, and you know, the thing I don't really like about you Christians is that you think your way is the only way. You think you have the only solution to society's problems through believing in this God. And I think to myself, you know, yeah, it's kind of exclusive, but maybe we just diagnose the world differently. If you went to the doctor and the doctor told you, you have a severe problem, and the only thing, we have to get you on this bed right now, and we have to perform surgery right now. It's an urgent, desperate situation. You have no way out unless someone works on you today. And you say, I want a second opinion. And you go get a second and third and fourth opinion, and people go, you're fine. You just need to work out more. You just need to eat right. You just need to do a couple of things. Take away the gluten, don't go to fast food, eat right, live right, and you'll be okay. And there's this doctor saying, no, 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 no. You've got a deeper problem. There's nothing you can do. There's no amount of eating. You, you've got something working inside of you since you were born. And you've gotta have someone work on you. You can call it exclusive. It's just a different diagnosis. We diagnose the problems of society as being rooted in sin. And you say, well, yeah, sin is out there. I'm saying sin is in you. And I can guarantee you I know it's true in you. I say this all the time. I know you're a sinner because you have a standard you can't keep. I'm not talking about God's standard, I'm talking about your own standard. I'm saying you give people advice you don't do. Wow. You don't, you don't, you, 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 you proclaim grandmama's advice. You don't do what grandmama said. You, in the quietness of your heart, aren't just inconsistent. You are wildly a hypocrite. In the quietness of your heart, you know you. And yet everyone is saying, it's just live better. 
And the Christian says, you must be rescued. Call it exclusive, it's just a different diagnosis. It was believed that God would have to send his son to die for sin because we believe that sin is so offensive to God that blood must be shed and that death is required. Now, if you believe that the, the consequences of sin is not death, but rather it's working harder than we just have a different set of beliefs. But it's just a different diagnosis. Jesus is God. Jesus is proclaimed to be God. But the, um, the scriptures also tell us that not only is Jesus God, but Jesus, he is with us. And we have to understand when he says that, you know, in Emmanuel, God with us, the with, we've got to understand the, who the with is. The, the, who it is we're saying is with us. You know, I, I, um, growing up, I remember I would hear, I, I grew up in church every Sunday. And I would always be amazed at how we would talk from the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, Jesus, I mean, God is like this warrior and people are dying in the New Testament. There's Jesus is a baby and all these different things. And I'm like, well, what, what's being really told here? Well, who is God? Job says that God talked to him in the whirlwind. You know what the whirlwind was? A tornado. Can you imagine that? God speaking and there's this tornado, this powerful tornado when God is speaking. Abraham encounters God. And there's a furnace, this huge furnace, this fire, and God is speaking. And then Moses has this encounter with God. And it says in Exodus about Moses' encounter with God. It says, as Moses wanted to connect with God, he says, You cannot see my face, the Lord says, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. So I'm going to hide you, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but you cannot see my face, or by my face you shall not be seen. This is one of the craziest verses in the Old Testament, and we're cool with it. God is like, you can't look at me and live. But it's cool if when we talk, I'm talking and you only see my back. And we read that and we're like, so God is talking and he can't see his face and he's standing there and he only sees his back. And we're like, yeah, we're like, okay, cool, that makes sense. <laughs> and if you really think about it, God is saying, my presence is so powerful that you can't even be around it. So I have to hide you. The scriptures go on to say in Corinthians as well as here that Moses would have to put a veil over his face just to be in God's presence. Think of this. A tornado 
God speaking, a furnace, God speaking. And then when God encounters man, he says, hide yourself, because you can't take my presence. That tornado, that furnace, that glory became a baby. God became a baby. Think about a baby. We just had a baby. They're so available. I mean, my seven-year-old daughter learned how to hold her. She puts her hip out, and she learned how to hold her. And my little Sophia can't say no. And she gets passed around, and she gets passed around all here, and she can't say no. And when you see the life of Jesus, crowds are swarming around him, and he rarely pushes anybody away. And why would Jesus be so present? I think the God of the Old Testament, we see that God is powerful, but we see in Jesus that God is available. He's powerful, yet available. And wouldn't it be a shame if you knew all the goodness of God, but you didn't know how close he wanted to be with you? In other words, wouldn't it be a shame if you knew God's ability, but you didn't understand his availability? That he, the Son of God, came down to earth to give himself for you, to be with you. Jesus is with us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to encounter him daily. But he is God, and we see who is with us. But who is the us? Who does God hang with? Well, it says his name is God with us, not God with all. So who precisely is the us? This is a very important point of the message. Because if he is God, don't you want him to be with you? Don't you want to walk away with the confidence of knowing God is with me? He's my Emmanuel. Who does he go to? He goes to shepherds. He goes to Mary. He goes to Joseph. He goes to all these oppressed, lower-class people, and he is with them. Why? Why? Why all the, all the Jews who have been hurting? Why all the prostitutes who have been out there? Why be with the tax collectors who are cast aside? Why be with leopards? lepers? Because Jesus loves to be with the humble. The humble. The humble person says, I must have you. I need you. The humble person does not try to qualify themselves. The humble person is not trying to justify themselves. They believe they need to be justified by someone else. The humble. 
And he, God, opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You say, well, I'm pretty humble. But you probably operate with the verse of our culture. Only God can judge me. I want you to understand just for a second what we're saying. Think about a courtroom. God is the judge. And you walk in, you say, I don't want a jury. None of my peers don't want their perspective. No lawyer. I don't want a lawyer. I don't want anybody to get in between us. God, only you're going to be the judge. And I'd like to show you my life. Exhibit A, this is how I was born. You know, I had a tough time when I was growing up. You know, my parents, they weren't everything I thought they would be. Exhibit B, do you remember when I was in school and I tried so hard, but people really didn't recognize me? You know. Exhibit C, you know I don't do many bad things, but I do some things that I shouldn't do. You understand. You know my heart. You get me. And you are there, you and God, as you have all of your prosecution laid out, and you are justifying yourself to God. The question becomes, will this God do away with your guilt? Will he overlook the things that you have done? As you justify yourself, you are there. But just real quick, aren't you guilty of some things? And what do we talk about when there's a lawyer who gets people who are guilty off? We think those are the worst kind of lawyers, right? But you are setting yourself up to be that very person because you want God to forget about all those other things that you've done and just remember the good things. But the Christian is very different where we don't justify ourselves, but we long to be justified. And we have a lawyer, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus, our lawyer, you know what he does? This is deep. He goes, oh, he's guilty. Oh, he is guilty. He's guilty at the core. He's guilty from birth. He was guilty in school, and he was guilty when he walked in this room, and he's guilty now. And I will bear the weight of their guilt. I will take on all the condemnation that they're due. I will take the penalty. I will justify them. And I will go before God. And the guilty will not go unpunished in the eyes of God. But they will be condemned. God with us, who is the us, is those who know that their sin is worth death and that Jesus dies for that sin. 
And if you believe that, that will radically change your life. And you will become a totally different person. Um, Bridge Church uh, has been known for me telling the same stories over and over and over again. And it's rather difficult because you can just tell just so many stories before people just start cracking on you because you tell them. But I have to tell you another story that you've probably heard before. I bounced in a club when I was in college. <laughs> I bounced in the club when I was in college. And um, I did a lot of things. And um, I remember I was in a, I was in a fraternity and um, we had this uh, one uh, step we did and uh, it was to proclaim how nasty we were. And um, so, yeah, I did that and um, they, they, uh, the school newspaper was there. If you've heard this, just act like you haven't heard it before. But um, it was crazy because um, the next day the, the paper came out. Now, I had been at that school for three years and the school newspaper had never been in color. And the next day, the school newspaper was in color and it was me on the cover. And I will, not, um, I will not do the move I was doing, <laughs> but I was, uh, I, I, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was really bad, it was, it was nasty. <laughs> and so, here I am in color. I'm in color. I mean, front page news, me. And the crazy thing was, I was a part of a Bible study at the same time. Thank you. I was a part of a Bible study at the same time. And so I remember walking on the campus and my Bible study friends were like, we, uh, we saw the paper. Wow. But what's crazy is that my fraternity friends and my friends in the club saw it. We like, we saw the paper, dog. You nasty, right? So I had these two groups of people, and I remember walking on the campus and both of them were, were talking to me back and forth, back and forth, and I had been a part of this Bible study, and I, and I remember, I was like, man, I, I, I feel so bad, and, and I remember I just, I was like, I can't live both ways anymore. I was like, I just feel so torn. Well, that night I went to Bible study, and I walked in there, and I had all my excuses ready. I was like, it's the way the camera angle was, you know what I'm saying? And I was ready, and I remember a guy named Tim Jones, I walked in and I said, man, you saw the paper, right? He was like, yeah, I saw it. I was like, see, I, <laughs> I was doing some things, but it, it just, it's just the way he's, I remember he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, James, whatever you did, I know you didn't want to do it, but it's okay. Come on in and sit down. And I think the reason why it's so hard to believe that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, is that the church has not lived this out. 
Because when we get full knowledge of your sin, we don't say God with us. We say you're not good enough anymore. And we create structures and attitudes to say, God is not with you anymore. Your sin, your sin, no amount of sin can separate you from the love of God. God is with you. He's with you. He is Emmanuel. And as Tim said to me, I know, don't make any more excuses. Just come. Just come. The reason why many of us don't experience Emmanuel is because you think your sin distracts Jesus from loving you. Your good works didn't get you into a relationship. Your bad works won't get you out of one. He fell in love with you at your worst. Do you understand that God came into human history to the ghetto, to Nazareth, and he will come into your life in its chaos, in mess, and even when you try to clean your life up, you're like me when I was little, because I used to clean my room, but I used to put everything in the closet. And I would just be like, and I would just, close the door. My mom comes in, I'm like, word, word. All clean, all clean. She's like, what about there? I'm like, that's clean too. She would open up that door and it was like an explosion. And all my stuff, she's like, get back in here and clean up. And so many of you are like that. You're stuffing parts of your life away from us, from the church. And you can do that your whole life. You can stick your, your parts of your life into a closet all you want, but you cannot compartmentalize Jesus. He knows that closet, but he died for that closet. And he wants to not just open it up, he wants to enter in. He wants to enter into the midst of chaos because he is God with us. If Jesus is Emmanuel and he is God with us, then this should destroy loneliness. This should destroy any, any feeling that, that you are unwanted. And that is what I want to leave you with, the believer here today. So many people I sit and I counsel with, at the depth of their heart, they feel unwanted. They feel the rejection of society, maybe even the rejection of their home. But Jesus, if he is God, and he came to earth to be with us, that means he wanted to be with us. He wanted to be with us. And he wants to be with you. He wants you. 
And no amount of your sin is going to keep him from wanting you. He wants you. God hates divorce because it's so different than who he is. There's never a time I won't want you. Emmanuel means you're always wanted. And he will pursue you to the very ends of the earth till you say yes. I want you too. I want you too. And this Christmas is so sad because far too many of us believe that this is the time for family and this is the time for presents. The truth of the matter is, Christmas is a reminder not for family. Christmas is a reminder for the lonely. It's for the person who will get no presents. Christmas is a reminder for people who have nothing. Christmas is a reminder for people who feel that Jesus is all they have. No, this is not the season of family. This is the season for the broken and for the hurting. And so today, I encourage you to come and worship. Worship the Emmanuel that longs to be with you. Put nothing else in that closet, but lay it all bare before him and experience Jesus for who he is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we ask that this great God that we read about and the Christ, we pray, Father God, that you would today remind us that you are Emmanuel and that you are the one that will enter into all of who we are. I mean, all of us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us a moment today where we would just let down our guard and let you in. Holy Spirit, I pray that the name Emmanuel would have more meaning to us, that you truly are God and that you truly are in our lives. But I speak now, God, to the lonely. I speak to the person that feels far from you. I speak to the person that is here in this crowd, but feels so different. And I pray, God, that you would reach them today and let them know nothing they can do, nothing they can do can distract you, but that you want them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.